I guess you can be seated. I want to invite you to take your Bible, or take your phone, or take your tablet, wherever you have your Bible at, and turn to the book of Acts. Specifically, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 12 this morning. So if you turn to Acts chapter 12, go all the way to the very end of Acts chapter 12, and find your way to verse 25. I want to talk with you guys this morning about faithfulness. I want to talk to you this morning about faithfulness from this verse. And I want to talk to you specifically about how faithfulness is a key to kingdom growth. Let's pray together. Father, the scripture that was read by our brother is a sobering scripture. verse 30 Lord said if we've been foolish and exalting ourselves we should put our hand over our mouth if we've been foolish in devising evil we should put our hand over our mouth Father God the reality is for us so many times we act foolishly we live in ways or make decisions or say things that are just contrary to you or not according to your word. And so God, we ask you forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for being foolish. God, forgive us for exalting ourselves. Lord, we pray, God, that you humble us. And that you help us to walk in humility. That you give us a desire and a hunger for your word. That will order our life according to your word. God, we pray for your help right now as we come to this moment in time where we look to your word, God, and as we study it together, we pray for your help. God, we pray that you open our eyes to see the truth. God, we pray that you open our ears to hear the truth. God, we pray that you work in our hearts to receive the truth and apply the truth to our lives. Father, I pray for the one that's here, the many that's here. God, I pray for whoever is here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. That today will be the day of salvation for them. That God, they will hear the gospel and respond to the gospel and see their great need for Christ and turn and live. God, for those that are here that are in the faith, God, I pray that you strengthen us today. God, I pray that you... Help us today, exhort us today, challenge us today, convict us today, rebuke us, reprove us, correct us, train us in righteousness today with your word. And in particular, God, I, I pray that you'll give us a greater appreciation for faithfulness. Help us to connect the dot in our minds, God, that you just call us to be faithful and so, Lord, as we look at our own lives, God, there just are so many areas and so many places, if we're honest, 
where we need to grow in faithfulness. So I pray for your help this morning, God. I pray that we will be able to, to study rightly, help me communicate clearly. But more than anything, God, change us from one degree of glory into another. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. One verse, Acts 12, 25. There's a lot there in that one little verse. It's a verse that probably many of you have read thousands of times, so to speak. It's a verse, like so many other places, where it's just really easy to read, it, read over it very quickly and not give much thought to it, to not meditate upon it, to not let it marinate and soak into our hearts. This is an important verse for many reasons because it marks a transition, if you will, from what Luke has been writing about up until this point in the book of Acts to kind of where he's headed next in the book of Acts. If you remember, in Luke chapter 1, he wrote this letter, this lengthy letter, to a gentleman by the name of Theophilus. And he's really writing this letter on the hills of the Gospel of Luke, which he also wrote to Theophilus, so that Theophilus, we don't know everything about him, but we do know he was a man that needed Jesus. So he wrote this letter to this man named Theophilus to introduce to him who Jesus was in the Gospel of Luke. And then, in the book of Acts, he writes this letter to Theophilus to let him know how the Gospel is advancing throughout the world. And so when you get to chapter 12, verse 25, it marks really an ending, if you will, a transition point of the Church of Jerusalem really being the focal point of the kingdom's advance to now it's shifting to the church at Antioch. So really, from chapter 13 on, the Church of Antioch becomes the central figure by which the gospel advances through and by. Not that the Church of Jerusalem is less important, that's not the point, but it's what Luke is focusing on when it comes to how the kingdom advances in the world. And so when we look at this passage of Scripture, one of the things that we really key in on is this concept, this truth, this reality, that as the gospel advances, it really advances, brothers and sisters, through the lives of of boys and girls and men and women who are faithful. I want you to understand that everything that you read from Acts chapter 1 all the way through Acts chapter 12 verse 25, all of the advancement of the kingdom, all of it is hinging upon the Spirit producing, the Spirit empowering, the faithfulness in the life of His people. Hear me. People being faithful in the big. People being faithful in the little. People being faithful in the mundane. Just God's people simply being faithful. We can never emphasize enough the importance of faithfulness. And that's what we see in the, this passage of Scripture. That's what I want you to see more than anything. That faithfulness is used in the advancement of the gospel. That's my aim. Really simple verse, really simple message, really, really life-changing, powerful truth, if you can grasp it, the importance of faithfulness to the kingdom. Look with me at the verse. 
And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing them, excuse me, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. So easy to read over that so quickly, to not give it any thought, to not give it any contemplation, to not give it any meditation, to not, to not think about how it fits into what God's trying to do in the world and, and how it fits into the overall theme of the book. But Luke is driving home something to us, which is, again, the importance of faithfulness. Notice what it says. Look at it again. Text says, when they had completed their service. That phrase there, when they had completed, in the Greek, it literally means to fill. So in your mind's eye, I want you to think with me if you've ever served anybody by filling up an empty glass. Have you ever done that? Maybe a grandchild. Maybe a son, maybe a daughter, or maybe you said, get your own drink. Just kidding. <laughs> it paints the picture for us of a hollow space that's filled with something. So if you've ever filled a drink, uh, excuse me, if you've ever filled a glass with a drink or sweet tea or whatever that it is, you fill it up. But most of us, as adults, know that there's a stopping point of where you fill it up, right? You don't fill it up too much. This word paints the picture for us of maybe a child filling up a glass. Where the child begins to fill up a glass and it's a little, the container's a little heavier than they anticipated that it would be. And it not only fills up the glass, but it spills over and goes everywhere. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever seen that? Mark, was that you this morning? Just kidding. That's the picture that they not only filled up the hollow space, but it was filled to its abundance. Now, <clears throat> it's not talking about filling up glasses with sweet tea. We know that. That's the literal meaning that it's used to fill up a hollow space. But, but figuratively, it's used here to talk about the fact that this assignment that they had been given, they completed it in full. They left nothing undone. They left nothing lacking. We can say it like this in our day and in our time. They dotted all of their I's and they crossed all of their T's. Everything was done. Every list was checked. Pastor Eric, if they had a checklist, they checked every box. If you didn't notice or didn't notice about him, he's a, he's a list taker, list maker, box checker. <laughs> That's what they would have done. I want you to think about that in the area of faithfulness. Now, maybe you're thinking, okay, I got you, but what in the world were they faithful to do? I'm glad you asked. Go back with me to chapter 11. Go back to Acts 11 and look with me at verse 27. The Bible says, now in these days... Prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. 
So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. Look at verse 30. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of who? Barnabas and Saul. So when you go back now with me to Acts 12, verse 25, and it says that they had completed their service, do you, know, do you now know what that means? It means that this task that they had been given to take up this offering and deliver it to the church of Jerusalem, that they had actually accomplished that task and that they had completed it to the full and that they had returned from doing what they had been given to do. In fact, when you look back at chapter 12, verse 25, and it says they had completed their service. Brother Israel, you'll appreciate this since you are a deacon here at our church. It's actually this word service is the Greek word diakonos. It's the word for servants. That they were just serving the body of Christ. They were serving the church at Antioch. They were serving the church in Jerusalem. They were serving the Lord. And let me ask you something. Is there any, is there any glamorous... Is there anything glamorous about this task? They're going to get a book deal after this. Anybody going to probably want to interview them for a podcast after this? Are they going to go home and get matching tattoos after this? Probably not. Just a mundane, we could say, ordinary, we could say, simple, we could say, non-glamorous assignment. But don't miss this. What we often think is not that big of a deal in the economy of God is a really big deal. Because it's not about the size of the task. It's about being faithful to what you've been called to do. And so God calls these brothers to do this task and they accomplish this task to the full. So what does all this mean for us today? Because that's probably what you're thinking. Okay, so they did this task. They gave this money. They, they come back. Big deal. So what? What does this mean for me, April the 18th, 2021? Let me give you a couple of things to think about together this morning. Number one... Barnabas and Saul finished with that, what had been entrusted to them by the Lord. Barnabas and Saul finished what had been entrusted to them by the Lord. Let me say that again. Barnabas and Saul finished what had been entrusted to them by the Lord. Doesn't seem like that big of a deal, that statement, but the brothers and sisters, it really is. It really is a big deal that we're just faithful. So I, I wonder this morning when it, when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to the family of God, when it comes to following God, can you be counted on? Could you be identified like Barnabas and could you be identified like Saul? Hey, 
That person can be counted on to do this job, to do this task, to take this offering to these brothers, to these sisters, to these hurting Christians. Can you be counted on? Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. You know, so often our thinking gets skewed when it comes to what it means to be a Christian and the importance of God using us. And sometimes we wrongly place emphasis in the wrong place on different tasks. And we, we'll talk more about some of this later. But I want you to understand that God's laid it out really clear what he expects from us. And I hope that you see that this is freeing. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Look what the Bible says. This is Paul writing, by the way. Same person that we're reading about. Verse 1. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now look at verse 2. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found what? Faithful. That they be found faithful. Hear me say this. You ready? If you're a note taker, you might want to write this down. Be careful that you don't undervalue faithfulness in the little and overemphasize faithfulness in the big. Be careful that you don't undervalue faithfulness in the little and overemphasize faithfulness in the big. Be careful that you don't blow off the small things and overemphasize the big things. Don't be that Christian that says, I'll be faithful in the big and unfaithful in the little. Brothers and sisters, it does not work that way. I want you to think with me for just a minute. If you've ever been to a mountain stream and you've picked up a rock out of a stream, typically... Those rocks, those pebbles, those stones are what? Shape. They're round. How? Why? From years and 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 years of what? Water going over them. Knocking off those rough edges. Polishing down that stone reshaping it and remaking it into something different shape-wise <clears throat> brothers and sisters the kingdom of god advances in that same way through years and years and years and years and years and years and brother after brother and sister after sister and child after child just simply waking up each day, embracing that day, and being faithful. As Americans, we want to look at the big. We want the big. And we tend to place our value on how big the assignment is. But what does Paul tell us? What's required of a steward? Just to be faithful. Don't underemphasize or undervalue the little. Faithfulness in the little. Don't overemphasize faithfulness in the big. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. 
Let's listen to what Christ had to say about this very thing. The Gospel of Luke. Chapter 16, verse 10. Luke 16, verse 10. Notice the Bible says, One who is faithful in what? Very little is also faithful in what? In much. And one who is dishonest in little is also dishonest in much. Do you see the point? Do you see the call to action? Can you be counted on to just be faithful? Someone said this. Opportunities for greater service come not to the idle, but to those who are faithfully performing their present duties. Let me say that again. Opportunities for greater service come not to the idle, but to those who are faithfully performing their present duties. So many of us pray, Lord, use me, use me, use me. And that's good. And in that, I want to encourage you, just be faithful where you are. Faithful where God's planted you. Faithful where God's placed you. Faithful in this season. Whatever it looks like for you, be faithful to God. God will take care of the rest. Our responsibility is to be faithful Number two, number two, Barnabas and Saul were faithful regardless of the size of the task. They were faithful regardless of the size of the task. I want you to think about this with me. At this point in their lives, God had used Barnabas and God had used Saul in mighty ways. And in fact, if you go to chapter 13, you'll see that they were key leaders in the church of Antioch. But when they were given this assignment by God, what did they do? They humbly and joyfully and willingly accepted it and accomplished it. Think about it. These are... These are brothers that, 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 that God had used in, in mighty, mighty ways to see people come to faith in Christ and revivals break forth in towns. But there was no task too small that they were not willing to do. Be faithful. Be faithful in the little. Number three. Barnabas and Saul were faithful to look for others to invest in. Look at the end of the verse. So they finished what God had for them in that assignment. But what did they do next? The Bible says that they brought somebody with them. John. John Mark. We've talked about John Mark before. We'll talk about John Mark later. So I'm not going to hang out there too much. But I do want you to understand... That faithfulness looks like investing in other people. They weren't so hung up in their to-do list that they missed people around them 
that needed to be invested in. <clears throat> I could say it like this too. They weren't too busy for people like John Mark. I wonder this morning, the people that are around you, does the busyness of life and the, the grind of the day-to-day, -day, the work schedule, the raising kids, the, 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 all those other types of things that happen in life, the tests, the quizzes, the papers, the assignments. If it just crowds out people that are around you. Hear me. God might have you invest the, the gospel in somebody that's around you in your family. You ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about the fact that so far in the book of Acts, when we look at the book of Acts, that one of the ways the gospel spreads the most, yes, we see people like the Ethiopian eunuch, and, and yes, we see pockets of other people come to faith in Christ individually, but have you noticed so far as we look at the book of Acts how much of the gospel's advance goes through families? It's amazing. Betty and Amelia, I want to encourage you. I think of Stephen Streeth. Just how you poured the gospel into him and loved him and gave him a place to stay and made him a part of your family and brought him along to church with you. And look what happens to him. He comes to faith in Christ. He's married. He's doing great. It's awesome. You say, well, what does John Mark have to do with family? Connect that dot for me, preacher. I don't get it. John Mark was Barnabas's cousin. Go to Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, and he was his cousin. Sometimes the greatest mission field is right there before us, but we're so busy wanting to see the multitudes come to faith in Christ, we miss the people that are right there. Moms, can I encourage you right now? I see my wife struggle. I see her get weary. I see her get tired. I see her exhausted. But can I encourage you moms that you're doing a good work when you are investing in your children. It is not a waste. God sees what you are doing. Don't quit. Galatians tells us, don't grow weary in doing good my call to you moms my call to you dads my call to you husbands my call to you fathers my call to you wives is to be faithful you say well i don't see any fruit it's not up to us i'll tell you one thing you won't see fruit if you won't be faithful be faithful don't quit be faithful Barnabas and Saul are doing their thing. They're serving the Lord. You know that they were busy when they were in Jerusalem. You know them. <laughs> you know they weren't just sitting down at the Starbucks drinking some lattes and be like, hey, what's going on? No, you know that they were working hard for the Lord. And in all of that, they see this man named John Mark, Barnabas's cousin, and say, hey, let's take him with us. By the way, if you were to look earlier in chapter 12, the house, do you remember the house where Peter came to and knocked at the door? The Bible tells us it was a lady named Mary. It was 
John Mark's mom. This is a family thing. Spiritual family, biological family. It's pretty awesome. Don't give up on your family. Keep praying. Keep praying. Mr. Bill, I always think about you, brother. At the ripe old age of 70, in God's time, in God's way, through the ministry of your bride, through the ministry of Mark and Stephanie, you come to faith in Christ. And the world would say, he's too old, it's too late. But it wasn't, it was God's time. Don't give up. Keep praying. Be faithful. Now, in our time remaining, let me give you a couple of roadblocks to faithfulness. You ready? Roadblocks to faithfulness. Here are some things that tend to get us off track. Number one, sometimes we fall into the trap of the pride of position. Sometimes we want a position more than we want just to be faithful. Sometimes we want that title. Sometimes we want that recognition. Sometimes we want that pat on the back. Sometimes we want that like on social media. Be careful, brothers and sisters. Watch your heart. Guard your heart. Be careful. Be careful. Number two. The next roadblock is the the pride of the quitters mentality. The pride of the quitters mentality. Sometimes we don't get the position we want, we quit. Sometimes we are in the middle of a task for the Lord, we lose focus, we quit. Sometimes it's just playing out hard and we quit. Be careful. There's a reason why I attach the word pride to the quitter's mentality because when we want to quit, whose strength are we relying on? Hear me say this. The perseverance of the saint is really the perseverance of the spirit in the saint. Faithfulness is a fruit of the spirit. If you are ministering in your own strength and your own power, you will quit every single time. Be careful. Third, be careful and beware for the roadblock of the pride of false humility. The pride of false humility. False humility often looks like this. I have nothing to offer. God can't use me. I'm not like Pastor Eric. I'm not like Pastor Tom. I can't share the gospel like them. I don't know the Bible like Emilio. Be careful. When we fall into this trap of false humility, we, we say what we can't do. This is a hard thing, but I want you to think about it with me, okay? We have to think about it. You ready? What are we ultimately saying about God? If I think I have no worth and if I think I have no value and I think I have no place in the kingdom, what are we ultimately saying about God? 
Because what does God say about us? He says we have worth. He says we have value. We're made in his image. We're made in his likeness. If you're in the faith, you're his adopted son. You're his adopted daughter. He's given you your, his spirit to live inside of you. He's given you gifts. And Ephesians 2.10 tells us that he's given you good works to walk in. Beware of false humility. Hear me. There's a place for everybody to do something in the kingdom. There is. Not everybody has all the gifts. Not everybody has the ability to do everything. There's a diversity in the gifts. There's a diversity in ethnicity. There's a diversity in abilities for a reason. And what we're learning today is that really it's not about big tasks. It's not about small tasks. It's just about being faithful to what God's put in front of you to do. So it matters that you wake up and you're a faithful husband. It matters that you wake up and you're a faithful wife. And it matters that you wake up and you're a faithful son. And it matters that when you wake up, you're a faithful daughter. Hear me. It matters when you wake up and you go to work and you're a faithful employee. That you do what the boss says, as long as it's not unethical. So many times we pick and choose. So many times we pick and choose where we want to be faithful. Amen or oh me or both. It's both. Number four, the pride of wrongly defining success. What do I mean by that? How does the world define success? Bigger, better, more. Have you ever noticed that if you get bigger and you get better and you get more, you're never satisfied with bigger, better, and more? We weren't created for bit bigger, better, and more. We were created for God. So the things of this world will never satisfy us. So we have to make sure that when it comes to faithfulness, we're not defining success by bigger, better, more. How does God define success? How does the Bible define success? How should we define success? By being faithful. By being faithful. And I alluded to this just a minute ago, but the fifth roadblock would be this. The pride of comparison. Boy, we could talk a long time about this, couldn't we? We compare our home to another person's home. We compare... Our ability as a mom or our ability as a dad to someone else's ability as a mom or someone else's ability as a dad. We tend to compare our spiritual abilities. And as I mentioned before, we tend to look at someone like maybe Pastor Eric or whomever else and we say, I'm not him and God can't use me. Just be careful. 
that you're not comparing yourself to others. Can I tell you something? When God wanted someone to do what he's called you to do, you know what he did? He made you. We need to hear this. He made you to use you. You don't have to be somebody else. <laughs> you don't have to be somebody else. Just be you. Christ living in you. Christ living through you. Christ using you. Christ empowering you for his glory, for our good. Just be you. What a trap of Satan it is for you to spend your whole life trying to be something you're not. When you try to be something you're not, you know what you end up doing? Nothing. It's an idol, by the way. Just be you. One of the cool things about the Spirit is as He sanctifies us, we begin to get comfortable in our own skin. And we begin to realize... I can't do everything. I can't be everywhere. I can't be everything to everybody. I can only be me. There's freedom there, brothers and sisters. There's freedom. Those are the roadblocks. The pride of position. The pride of the quitter's mentality. The pride of false humility. The pride of comparison. And the pride of wrongly defining success. I want to end this way. I want you to think about this with me. What if you. Just began to grasp the reality. And we all are growing in this. So what if we. Began to define success. As just simply being faithful to the word of God. What if we lived with the same unction to be faithful to the word of God as we do to get that promotion or get that next position or get that next raise or get that next job? Brothers and sisters, it's really not about being a preacher. It's really not being a, about being an overseas missionary. It's really not about anything other than just simply waking up each day. And with God's help, prayerfully asking him to help you be faithful to his word and to him that day. So I can't answer the question that I asked for you. You have to think about that and meditate upon that. What? What would change about your life if you began to define success in that way? If you just began to strive to be faithful? I don't know about you, but I've got a long way to go in this one. I'm not the husband I ought to be, nor the dad I ought to be, nor the employee I ought to be, nor the pastor I ought to be. But I'm striving. And I pray you are too. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this passage of scripture. 
such a simple verse but such powerful truth. If we understand it, God, it brings purpose to our lives. It brings meaning to our lives. To the grandma who gives out popsicles all day and, and, and wonders, what does this have to do with the kingdom's advance? God, this scripture helps. Or to the, to the homeschooling mom who's about to pull her hair out because she doesn't, under, she doesn't know or she's wondering if she's doing a good enough job. Lord, you see what she's doing and you're thankful you're, you're, you're pleased, rather, with, with what she's doing. And for the dad who's weary going to work and just struggling to make it through, or that teacher in the classroom that's, that's, that's at their wit's end because they're overworked and they're underpaid and they struggle, God, this brings hope to them because nothing's wasted and, and you're just calling them to be faithful, to love students. Or to a pastor this morning. Maybe the one that's preaching or one that's listening. He just needs to be reminded. It's really about faithfulness. God, I pray that you help us all cross the finish line. And we need your strength to do that. God, help us not to make big things too big or too important and little things too little and not important. It, it all matters. And it matters that we're faithful. God, help us to look to the example of Barnabas, to the example of Saul. Help us to be faithful to you. Produce in us what we can't produce in ourselves. Because all the roadblocks are the, are the fleshly reactions that we have. And we need your help, God. We love you. We praise you. We trust you, Lord, to do for us what we need. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand to your feet as we close uh, with a song. We get to sing about God's grace. Our third song is Grace is Greater Than All.